，享受工作，乐生活。就算不在办公室，也能从容应对线上会议。HP Dragonfly 透过专业的 HP Presence 设计，内建降噪及会议快速键，搭配清晰的 Ben and Olufsen 音效，增强音讯及视讯功能。HP Dragonfly 顶级商务笔电，采用 Windows 11专业版。让您在会议中享有最佳的视觉和听觉品质。Today we meet wild animal vet Chen Yunshi, who recently was recognized for a lifetime of selfless work in service to animals. The vet runs an animal hospital in Miaoli, where she has saved thousands of animals over ten years. She's even saved dozens of the endangered leopard cats. We spoke to Chen about what it's like to care for Taiwanese fauna at their most fragile hour. An injured animal is rushed to the Wild Animal Emergency Care Department in Holong Animal Hospital. 野生动物受伤的蛮普遍的，包含的鹿杀，还有兽夹、套索、中毒。鸟类的撞击啊，或者是猕猴之间跟人之间的冲突。陈云师 is passionate about wild animal care. After graduating, she studied at a wild animal emergency center belonging to the Endemic Species Research Institute. Then, ten years ago, she decided to move back to her hometown of Holong in Miaoli to set up this animal hospital and help local wild animals. When you see a sickly animal, it gives such a sense of achievement if you can save its life. Chen works all year round and frequently sacrifices her holidays. She saves the lives of more than 100 wild animals a year. By now, she has certainly rescued more than 1,000 individual creatures. Has she ever treated leopard cats? Right now, there are only about 500 leopard cats left in the wild in Taiwan. One year, Chen saved the lives of more than thirty. From 108 years, 那时候鹿杀呃一年大概有二十三只 In 2019, there were 23 road kills that year. This year, up until August, I think we've had less than five. Thanks to everyone's efforts, the number of accidents is decreasing. Chen's tireless work and dedication to the field have won her a Wild Animals Lifetime Education Award. But Chen says humbly that she's just doing her tiny bit to contribute to ecological protection. To protect Taiwan's rich ecology for generations to come will take everyone working together. A rare astronomical event was visible in Taiwan earlier this evening, as a total lunar eclipse turned the moon an eerie shade of red. This phenomenon is also called a blood moon. The lunar eclipse was even more special than usual as the moon moved across the sky to momentarily block views of the planet Uranus. Let's hear from an astronomer. 天王星它本身不是一个很亮的天体，我们不没有办法用肉眼看到，平常就必须要透过望远镜。Uranus isn't a particularly bright celestial body. You can't see it with your naked eyes. You usually need a telescope. But if the light from the moon is covered up, Uranus appears brighter in the night sky. According to the astronomer, the eclipse dims the moon just enough to allow viewers to see both the moon and Uranus when the former isn't blocking the latter. If you miss the blood moon, that's okay, as another total lunar eclipse will be visible in Taiwan in 2025. But if you were hoping to see the blood moon and its passing over Uranus, I'm afraid you'll have to wait an, another 2,322 years until the year 4344. 
Now we take a look at Taiwan's inflated housing market. Many young people in Taiwan today feel that owning their own home is an impossible dream. But some are determined to make the impossible a reality. Let's meet a young couple in Taoyuan who, with many years of hard work and smart strategy, have managed to buy their dream home. At this restaurant in Taoyuan's Neili district, five dogs service the most enthusiastic members of staff. Restaurant owner Yang Chi Hong recalls how he and his wife opened the restaurant seven years ago, building on their experience in the hospitality industry. I went a whole year with no days off. I was working about 14 hours a day. Picking up a cup and making foam mart is muscle memory by now. Four years ago, the couple's monthly income was gradually approaching 1,000 NT. They were saving up for a home but couldn't afford the soaring prices in Taipei or New Taipei. So they chose Taoyuan and decided on a home in Neili District worth about 5 million for their first property. Even I thought it was very courageous. If we failed, then that would be it. The mortgage was 22,000 NT. I think the loan increment was more than 10,000 NT. So overall, just the mortgage was more than 30,000 NT. We saw some houses that were 5 million NT, 6 million and 7 million. But at that time, I didn't think we'd ever buy something for 7 million NT. I think for your first house, you should just get what you can, and later you can get something nicer. You shouldn't put too much pressure on yourself all at once. After three years' hard work, the couple were able to buy a three-bedroom 50-ping house in Jungli. They lived there for four years and then decided to upgrade. They renovated to attract buyers, and in the end, the house they had bought for 7.8 million NT was sold for 13.16 million NT. With money in their pocket, they could move into a spacious 80-ping home in Pinjan, which they bought for 19.9 million. The agent sold the old house for us in two weeks. We had four, five or six potential buyers come in for a viewing every day. Maybe it was because we had renovated. Because although I'm not so involved in the restaurant business right now, because I have to focus on caring for our children, I do have another job at home selling cosmetics. There's more stress now. If I hadn't moved, there wouldn't be any stress. We could live easily. But I moved. I've got expectations from myself. I want to live better because it was really tough in the past. In these days of high interest rates and inflation, even white-collars workers' salaries can't keep up with the runaway housing market. For middle-class people to win at the property game, they need to make a step-by-step -step smart strategy like this family, be willing to move house repeatedly, and commit fully to the dream. The director of the National Palace Museum on Tuesday went to the Legislative Yuan to report on the museum's measures to be more transparent about damages and repairs to the museum's collection. The report comes amid claims that the museum had tried to cover up stories of mishaps. Museum director Wu Micha said investigation had revealed that one of the broken ceramic pieces that recently caught media attention had been broken due to negligence. That's in contrast with a Qing-era painting that was cut intentionally to fit a display case. To increase transparency, Wu says the museum will make public documentation on all the items damaged and restored since 1959.
This is a Qing Dynasty era painting of the old floating bridge that crossed the Yellow River in the Chinese city of Lanzhou. It was recently reported that the National Palace Museum, where the piece is housed, had cropped the painting to fit it into a display case. Museum director Wu Micha on Tuesday reported on the issue at the legislature. This is a very serious mistake. It's also different from what happened recently when artifacts were damaged due to negligence. This was a case of someone giving an order to cut the painting. Wu promised the museum would make public as much information as it can about damaged artifacts. He added that one of the three broken items recently reported on by local media had been broken due to neglect. But details on how the other two items were damaged remains unclear. The Control UN has also launched its own investigation into the matter. Lawmaker Huang Guoshu said records show that 359 items have been repaired by the museum to date and asked why the public was not informed when those items were damaged. You can now look at the records of restorations done over the past several decades. That information is completely open to the public. With three items having been found damaged in the course of one year, some have questioned whether there is a problem with the museum's operational procedures. DPP legislator Zhang Liao Wanjian has suggested a reshuffle of the museum's personnel. A reshuffle will happen anyway as part of the Executive Yuan's next reorganization. It doesn't need to be done more urgently than that. What matters is that the museum can operate well. That's the top priority. The Premier said the Executive Yuan respected the museum's operational model, but that it also strongly supported change where change is needed. A new photography exhibition has opened in Taipei. The show explores the history of identities in Lithuania, both at cultural and individual levels. The exhibition, titled Uncoverings, the search for identity in Lithuanian photography, also gives visitors a glimpse into the history of photography in the European nation. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang takes us in for a look. This exhibition is divided into three themes, identity as reality, identity as an object, and identity as a concept. The first part of the exhibition explores the development of Lithuanian photography. From 1940 until 1990, Lithuania was occupied by the Soviet Union. It was not until 1950 that Lithuanian photography started to develop. Photography became a tool for self-expression and played a significant role in forming the ideology of the state. Many of these works were captured by Lithuanian photographer Antana Sukus. The first part of the exhibition, Identity as Reality, showcases the beginning and gradual formation of photography in Lithuania after 1950. In this series, it is mainly the presentation of humanistic documentary photography. We mainly have the works of Antana Sutkus on display. For example, this work, Blind Pioneer, reflects the spirit of Lithuania's humanistic photography. The second part of the exhibition explores the transformation of Lithuanian culture and history. Lithuanian photographers in the 1980s witnessed a movement for political transformation along with mass protests. During this time, the photographers portrayed the fatigue people felt by capturing photos of everyday objects. The second part, Identity as an Object, talks about Lithuania after the 1980s during a revolution. The artist also hopes to get rid of the spirit of the past humanistic photography.
in this exhibition, the main thing is to explore the concept of identity. From the concept of identity, the desire for freedom and thirst for freedom can be drawn. This also corresponds to the current situation, whether it is Taiwan, Lithuania or the current Russian invasion of Ukraine. These situations let us reflect on the concept of our own identity. Lastly, the third part of the exhibition showcases works created in the 21st century. Due to the development of technology and digital photography, artists who emerged during this period took photos highlighting society from different perspectives to encourage viewers to think about novel topics. The third part mainly exhibits the works of Lithuanian photographers in the 21st century. After gaining independence in 1990, many Lithuanian photographers have more opportunities to study and also continue with the spirit of the predecessors. The organizers have borrowed the collections of the Lithuanian National Museum of Art to exhibit in Taiwan. Through the exhibition in Taiwan, it hopes to showcase the diversity of the East European nation's voices through photography as well as deepen the relationship between Taiwan and Lithuania. Uh, during the epidemic last year, Lithuania donated masks and vaccines to Taiwan twice. Due to this, there was an opportunity and a platform for international exchange relations between Taiwan and Lithuania to begin. In addition to pandemic diplomacy at the time, the Ministry of Culture also hopes to have a deeper exchange with Lithuania in the future. Through these three themes, we hope to show the development of Lithuania's photography, as well as understand the diversity of identities. The exhibition will showcase the works of 21 local Lithuanian photographers from 1950 to today. Uncoverings the search for identity in Lithuanian photography will be on at the National Center of Photography and Images until November 13th. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Zhang Tingxiang in Taipei. The marching band at Taipei First Girls High School will be representing Taipei at the Rose Parade in the U.S. on January 2nd, 2023. In total, 135 students and teachers from the high school will be traveling across the Pacific to take part in the event. The marching band will be performing many Disney classics and trying out complex formations to impress even the most seasoned marching band fans. The trip is partly sponsored by the Taipei government, which put forward 3 million NT so that Taiwan could be seen at the parade once again after 18 years. They move in perfect sync, impressing the crowd. Then it's time to change formation, a true test of skill. After 18 years without, the marching band at Taipei First Girls High School has been invited once again to take part in the Rose Parade in the U.S. Once we heard the news, we were very excited. We're happy to have this opportunity. Part of the itinerary includes a parade at Disneyland, so most of our musical pieces are related to Disney. The Rose Parade is two hours long so we did special training for that during the summer break. To put on the best show possible, students rehearse through the heat of summer. In their performance, they'll be adding new songs and formations, including one with the three Chinese characters in the school's name. We'll have a lot of people in the parade, 50 people, so the formations will be very striking. In the end, we will form the Chinese characters for Taipei First Girls High School. 
The marching band at the high school previously took part in the Rose Parade in 1996 and 2005. This time around, 135 teachers and students will be part of the delegation. That means travel costs of more than 10 million NT. It was only thanks to a 3 million NT sponsorship from the Taipei government that the band is able to set off for the US. We expect there to be hundreds of thousands of people at the parade, and more than 10 million will be watching a broadcast on their screens. It is an opportunity for Taiwan to step out to the world. I would really like to thank Taipei First Girls High School for representing Taipei and engaging in city diplomacy after 18 years. The marching band members are excited to get going. It is the third time that the band from the school will take part in the Grand Parade, showing to the world just what Taiwan's younger generations are capable of. The campaign of Kaohsiung Mayor Chen Qimai has an unusual gimmick. They've opened a mini fun fair right outside their campaign headquarters. Visitors at the HQ can take rides on the carousel before going home. The team says they want moms, dads, and grandparents to feel free to bring the whole family down for the afternoon. The carousel spins a child and a white horse. Nearby, a train runs in small circles. A tiny fun fair has appeared on a Kaohsiung street with an unlikely sponsor. The carousel in these funfair facilities have appeared in Kaohsiung's Fengshan district. It's like a tiny amusement park, but it's actually the campaign headquarters of Kaohsiung City Mayor Chen Qimai. The mayor used the space around his headquarters to create this mini amusement park, with a carousel, tiny train, flying car and pirate ship. Adults and children are equally welcome. Mayor Chen wants to create a campaign headquarters for the city's residents, so all the Kaohsiung residents, whatever their age, whether parents or children, anyone, can come and have a wanderer around our headquarters. There are some public spaces indoors and also this kind of amusement park outside. We welcome our mums and dads, grannies and grandpas to bring their children along and play at our headquarters. The campaign aims to be welcoming for families. Many passers-by think a campaign HQ with a fun fair is a novelty. I've never seen a place have something like this at election time, not in all the years. I've only seen it here. It's quite special. It's great, fun for adults and children. There's more of an atmosphere, lots of people. It needs to appeal to people. Chen's team hopes that with a funfair right on their doorstep, the election can be a relaxed and even enjoyable affair. The DPP's mayoral candidates for Taipei, New Taipei, Jilong and Taoyuan on Monday held a campaign event together to present a joint transport proposal for northern Taiwan. They say that four cities can launch a monthly transport pass that expands on the current all-pass ticket available in Taipei and New Taipei at a lower price. In addition to the Taipei Metro, the Danhai LRT city buses and U-bikes, the proposed pass would also be usable on TRA trains, intercity coach buses, and the Taoyuan Metro. Every year, 
The DPP mayoral candidates for Taipei, New Taipei, Geelong and Taoyuan have announced a proposal to launch a 1,200 NT public transport pass valid in all four cities. I came up with the slogan, Better Taipei, Closer Taiwan. But before Taiwan can grow closer, we need smaller areas to get closer. This is a monthly transport pass that encompasses different means of transportation across city boundaries and living spaces. Lower the price and add in Geelong and Taoyuan to expand the scope of the metropolis. The current pass is only usable in Taipei and New Taipei. The new pass would also include new transport networks. It'll be a breath of fresh air. Over the past few decades, the mayors in the greater Taipei area have not proposed any plans for urban governance across city boundaries. Currently, the 1,280 NT All Pass ticket can be used in Taipei and New Taipei to ride the Taipei Metro, the Danhai LRT, city buses, and rent U bikes. The plan proposed by the mayors would expand its use to intercity buses, regular trains, and the Taoyuan Metro. The mayoral candidates say the funding for the tickets won't be a problem. The central government has a policy goal to reduce carbon emissions and integrate different areas to promote comfortable living. These are central government targets. Our governance plan is in line with these targets. So of course the central government would offer some economic assistance. Transport Minister Wang Guocai and the people in the ministry really support this. Implementing this plan in Taipei and New Taipei will cost 1 billion NT, more or less. For Geelong and Taoyuan, that's about 700 million NT. We have run the numbers and worked out concrete details. It's feasible. On the countdown to election day, the four DPB candidates presented their policy proposal together in hopes of attracting the votes of urban dwellers in northern Taiwan.